You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Please welcome Adam Guan. Welcome to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, where we bring you behind the scenes at Broadway Supper Club. I'm Kevin Ferguson, an assistant programming director at the club, and today I'm sitting down with a musical theater writer named One of 50 to Watch by the Dramatist Magazine, and hailed as a promising newcomer to our talent-hungry musical theater, whose songs are funny, urbane, with a sweetness that doesn't cloy by the New York Times. His musicals have been produced on six continents and more than half a dozen languages and has been a fellow at McDowell, at the Artist Retreat, uh, the O'Neill Musical Theater Conference, and the Dramatist Guild. He is a graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and is a member of ASCAP and the Dramatist Guild. He served on the Tony Awards nominating committee for three years and currently sits on the board at the Roundabout Theater Company and Primary Stages. His songs have been heard at Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, the Kennedy Center, and more, performed by luminaries like Audra McDonald and Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James. Our guest today is the Fred Ebb Richard Rogers Award, Frederick Lowe Award, and ASCAP Harold Adamson Award-winning musical theater writer, Adam Guan. Adam, welcome to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast. Thank you, Kevin. What an introduction. It is my pleasure to be here. We had to give you that introduction with all of those accolades. How are we going to skip that? You must always be introduced this way. <laughs> you deserve it. Those are amazing. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's Thank such you. a pleasure to meet you. You're such a talent, and I'm just so excited to get a chit-chat with you today. Today, we're just going to talk about you and let the people get to know you better and get some people excited about your show. Fantastic. Just jumping right into it, the question for everybody, last year was a little bit stressful for everyone, just a little just bit a little. stressful. <laughs> How does it feel finally getting back on a stage? It feels incredible i have to say there's a nervousness that comes from like relearning how to walk basically i've been joking with all of the singers as i've been rehearsing with them we all feel like we are finding our footing as we get back to this performing thing um but there's there's something really thrilling about that and and the first time that i got to rehearse with one of the singers and just hear them 
singing over my shoulder in a room with the piano. I think I didn't realize just how much I missed it these past 18 months. Um, it was wonderful to sort of learn all kinds of new ways to collaborate and make music, you know, in the in the digital space. But I, nothing really prepared me for that moment of being back in a room with a singer and like feeling them sing to me. There's something really magical about that. So I'm I'm super excited to hopefully share that feeling and that experience with the audience at 54 Below. I think it's the perfect kind of venue to get back to that feeling, just like really intimate, really uh, up close and personal, um, stripped down. That's sort of the mood that I'm in. And, that, and so I'm yes. really excited to, to, to like vibe that way with the audience. Yes, we love a good vibe. That is so exciting. <laughs> we love that. You know, and what you said was so profound about just having that time to figure out a way to make our art go through a digital platform, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that being the only way to express it and how we still were able to overcome that and everybody was still able to do their art. It's just really beautiful. But now that the stages are back open, <laughs> let's get off the internet back on the stages, you know, that's awesome. Exactly. When, when did you start writing? These accolades are so strong. Like, did you start writing the second day you were on earth? Like, how did you, what got you into writing? Um, I, uh, it, it, it was not my, my very first, the thing that I did when I was very, very young was play piano. That was sort of my entryway into all of this. I, I, with I can't explain why or how, but just as a very young kid, I was drawn to a piano every time I came across one. And I would go up to the keyboard and sound out songs that I had heard on the radio and just plunk plunk out the melodies on those keyboards. And and no one else in my family has this sort of artistic bent to them. I'm sort of the black sheep of the family in that way. So it was it was something that my parents didn't understand at all but saw that I just had this love for, for playing pianos and decided to give me piano lessons when I was, when I was a young kid. Um, and so I, I grew up playing like classical piano. And when I was in middle school, I joined the drama club in middle school because it seemed like what all the cool kids were doing. And I didn't, I didn't, re I didn't realize you laughed. You, that was a knowing laugh. I didn't realize until much later that like, those probably weren't actually the cool kids in the school, but they were who I thought were the cool kids in the school. Um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> so I, so I started doing like the drama club in middle school and it just so happened um, in Baltimore where I grew up when I was about to go into high school the public schools in Baltimore were launching a magnet school program. So they opened up all of these new high schools that each like focused on a different area of study. And one of the high schools was for the arts. And so just sort of on a whim as an eighth grader, I decided to audition for the theater program at this new arts magnet school that was opening up. Um, and so I spent my high school years falling in love with theater and, and was doing the piano playing thing on, a, on like a separate parallel track outside of school. And so it really wasn't until I got to college, I decided to, to go to college to, to study theater. And when I got there, realized that this music making thing 
had an overlap with theater. And I started like writing incidental music for student play productions and that kind of thing. And then started writing songs. Uh, and by the time I graduated from college, that interest in writing had completely eclipsed everything else. And I had just fallen in love with it. Wow. So, okay. In, in this college that you casually refer to being NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, when you went in, you came out with an even bigger appreciation. What was it during NYU that really solidified musical theater writing is for you? I would say it was a combination of a bunch of things. I I was in a lot of classes. They have at NYU, the, the undergrad theater program is broken up. You sort of go to different studios and they each kind of have a different like philosophy or focus on, on theater making. And the studio that I started in was the Playwrights Horizon studio, which, which really focused on, you kind of learn everything so that you can like, make your own work and kind of know a little bit about design and know a little bit about directing and know a little bit about acting. So I immediately was immersed in this kind of like create your own work, put on your own productions kind of mentality in that studio. And so that coupled with quickly becoming the guy in the department to like music direct your musical or write instrument incidental music for your play production this idea of of music writing and making your own work became intertwined for me and then mm -hmm. a, a couple years in i got involved a little bit in uh, nyu famously has a graduate program in musical theater writing which is one of the few programs like it in the country and while i didn't actually graduate from the graduate program in musical theater writing when i was an undergrad i had gotten interested in musical theater writing and so would sort of audit their classes as a singer. Like I would go in and learn these new songs that the, the composers were writing and presenting in their class. So I would learn these songs, perform them for the class, and then just sit and listen to all the feedback and the wisdom that they were getting from the teachers and their fellow students. And so I think that had a huge part in falling in love with this musical writing thing. Because I, I, I saw that there was this world out there where people were doing it. And and to be honest, there I, I hadn't really I had loved musicals, but hadn't really put two and two together in terms of understanding that writing musicals was something that people did <laughs> that musicals mm -hmm. musicals wouldn't exist unless people wrote them um and so mm -hmm. that realization and seeing people who were doing it and pursuing it i think is is what set me on the path and 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 showed me that it was you know a viable pursuit this was something that people mm -hmm. in the world that people do Yes, a very viable pursuit, okay? We need our writers. The writers are the most important part. That is so awesome that you were able to think of that early on because I chased an actor dream and when I yeah. should have been writing some ideas down, you know? Uh, was, there, was there a show at an early age or a writer at an early age that you really idolized or like uh, were inspired by? Yeah, there was... There are two things that I think of when I think of like early inspirations about musical theater writing. One is a show that I saw in high school 
like I said, I went to this like arts magnet school in Baltimore. And so as part of that, we would go on field trips to see all the shows at Baltimore Center Stage, which is the the, the big th regional theater in Baltimore. Um, and this must have been early, like my freshman year of high school or something, but they were doing a new musical um, called Das Barbecue, which is like the, the it's, it, it ended up going off Broadway after this like tryout in Baltimore with this crazy cast, like Carolee Carmelo and Jeff McCarthy, all these people who like, yeah. I had no idea who they were, but they, but we saw them in this, this play at Baltimore Center Stage. Um, and for some reason, we all like us 13 year olds or whoever we old we were became obsessed with this musical. It's a, it's a country Western retelling of, Wagner's ring cycle it's very weird okay. um, but it like it takes the story of like the ring cycle but tells it with like country music and we were just obsessed with it mm -hmm. and as part of going to see these shows through these field trips through school the theater would send us the scripts of the show so that we could read them and talk about them in class and and you know kind of have that investigation be part of the process of seeing the show and so one of these early revelations that people write musicals was having seen this musical das barbecue at baltimore center stage getting the script in class and on the front cover of the script was the contact information for the writers and i thought oh my gosh like these people write musicals how fascinating and how amazing and i actually wrote a letter to the composer because his address was on the cover sheet of the, of the script mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um and i wrote him this letter and i was and it literally was like wait a second you wrote you wrote a musical you write musicals like tell me what is that about explain this to me how do you how did you write a musical what is this um Sadly, the letter got returned because I guess he had moved and that wasn't his address anymore. So I never got my oh, answer. No. <laughs> um, no. But it definitely, it definitely set me on the, the path of like, of like, mm -hmm. oh, people write musicals. And then the other thing that was a big like eye-opening moment when I got to college when I was at NYU, Audra McDonald's first album Ooh. came out. And again, I think that must have been like my freshman year of college or something. And that album, as you know, at the time, she was, it was like entirely all of these new composers. And, and so hearing all of those songs and all of those songs were kind of doing things in musical theater that were different than the musical theater that I knew from high school. And so that album kind of unlocked for me all of the possibilities of what musical theater can be, that it's not just Rodgers and Hammerstein and Sondheim, which is like, you know, the, what Staple. we grew up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I got super excited about that. Um, mm -hmm. And just the kinds of stories that, that people could tell and the different kinds of emotions that music could create for a character um i found mm -hmm. that to be really really fascinating and exciting yeah so that i would say was a huge moment that album for me yeah it is so 
amazing what writers can create, what they, what ability they have to create, you, you know, take a story and even shift it a little bit with a different filter or uh, mm -hmm. with a different sound in the music gives it such a different personality and it will reach different people. And it's just so beautiful what writers, writers can be. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Speaking of writers with amazing powers, let's talk about Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Flaherty, who you were able to work with and basically mentored you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I had this kind of magical moment with Lynn Ahrens where I was, um, this was probably a couple of years after I had graduated from NYU and was interested in being a writer and, and kind of taking any kind of like workshop or masterclass that I could could find just to get better at this musical theater writing thing. And one of the classes I took, there used to be a really fantastic organization called Musical Theater Works that was like across the street from the public. And they, they no longer exist, but they were kind of a development organization for musical theater writers kind of like maybe like the the same space that musical theater factory takes now in terms of like finding new voices and 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 one of the things that they did was offer these like master classes with all of these fancy broadway writers um so i took one of these master classes and it was like a different they brought in a different guest person every week that you would play your songs for um and one of the weeks was lynn aaron's and Stephen clarity so i I played a couple songs for the class and got some feedback and then was leaving the class that the class was in this sort of like black box theater. So there's like an audience set up with an aisle down the middle and I was leaving the, the theater, like walking through the aisle, through the audience. When I feel someone like grab my arm, like really sort of like abruptly <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I turned around and it was Lynn Aaron's um, wow. and she and she said she said hey give me your phone number um, and I was like oh okay um, so I gave her I gave Lynn Aaron's my phone number um, and then a couple weeks later had got a, a voicemail from her that just said hey I, I think your your stuff is really fantastic and I want to help we should talk that sort of started this relationship. I, I eventually, they also at the time 
ran this really fantastic program called the Dramatist Guild Fellows Program, which is still around. And it's basically like a year-long writer's group that's hosted by the Dramatist Guild. It's it's half playwrights and half musical theater writers. So you're like sharing work oh. and getting feedback, but not just from songwriters, also from like playwrights, which is super fascinating and, and amazing because they have this whole other take on storytelling and sort of like theatrical possibilities that's that's really great to to bounce ideas off of uh and so lynn and c were running this this fellowship program and i got a spot in one of the years and ended up writing my show ordinary days during that fellowship like that was the project that i that i created under their um guidance and, and mentorship during that fellowship year um so yeah they've 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 been huge champions and and just amazing people in my life for uh, for wow. many years now that is an amazing connection i the shows that they have written and the words they've wrote and just Oh, I am moved by, I am such a big fan of the pair of them and yeah. the fact that you have been able to work so close to them. I bet that was feeling so amazing in that moment. It really was. And the thing that I love about all of their stuff is they, the the material that they connect to, that they as artists find and say, oh, this is, I can turn this into a musical, um, is always like, amazing and a little bit off the beaten path and i i love that and i feel like it, it it's given me a certain amount of confidence to, to also discover things that are sort of off the beaten path but go no like this thing grabs grabs me in my gut and like i feel like i it's a little weird but i think i i think i know how to musicalize this i think it sings um so yeah i i, I just adore them yeah. Is there anyone dream-wise outside of them that you would also love to either collaborate with or uh, be mentored by? Or is there anyone you would like to uh, help out, maybe uh, be a mentor to someone? Oh, my gosh. All of the above, I think. Yeah, um, right. Um, I mean, that was a loaded one. You can take <laughs> <yes>. your time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I think this idea of mentorship is is and has been a huge part of the musical theater world. I, I remember Lynn and Steve telling me, um, you know, that moment where we were in the master class and they like pulled me aside at the end and and were like, we, we want to mentor you. The same thing happened with them and Stephen Sondheim. Like they, when wow. they were young, they were doing one of these master classes and Stephen Sondheim was one of the guests and he took a shine to their work and became their mentor and in the same way that famously oscar hammerstein was like a mentor figure mm -hmm. for stephen sondheim um i think this this tradition of mentorship is so so important um mm -hmm. and i have loved i do a lot of of teaching and like and mentorship in that way and i just i I think it's so important to like to help nurture the next generation of folks um no matter where you are in your in your career like it's just that like passing down and and uh, there's something it's just part of the fabric of the theater thing and something that makes it so wonderfully human there's something yeah. about the 
the, the theater community that really does feel rooted in this idea of nurturing the next generations. And something that I've been thinking a lot about, you know, over the, the like the shutdown, when we've had time to be introspective, I was thinking about the, the sort of difference between like the, the theater industry and the theater community. I think there's a lot of, of talk and work being done and work to be done in the theater industry in terms of like, how do we, how are we nurturing future generations in the theater industry? Um, and it's something that I've always felt in the theater community has been like part of the fabric of the thing. And, and I'm just really like invigorated and hopeful that some of the, the values and the, this idea of, of mentorship and thinking about the future that I think has been present in the theater community is able to like extend out into the theater industry in a way, if that makes mm-hmm. any kind of sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a sense of community uh, once you're in it. Um, and there, there's the industry side that comes in and it's not so much rooted in community. It's more rooted in uh, business. And that is a very important part of the whole picture. You know, someone's got to keep it churning and keep it moving. But the community part is what I think really inspires a lot of the art and uh, really reflects in the art and on the stage when you go see it, the community coming through. So exactly, I think if we yeah. still have, if we have writers like you in charge, the community is never going to fade, okay? <laughs> you understand, <laughs> you get it. I think that's so awesome. Are there um, some thematic, like this certain elements that you always like to use in your writing? Is uh, community something that comes through or is there something that you always want to make sure is in your writing? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I always, I the thing that moves me about theater as an art form is I, I feel like it really does have the power to reach people and touch people in a very kind of intimate and personal way. There's just something about it that when, when a, when a song or a musical like reaches you and speaks to you, it really does it on the sort of like gut visceral level where you feel like, oh my gosh, this musical was written for me. Like this, <laughs> this was written for me. Um, yes. uh, and, and so I always, I, I think I'm, I tend to be drawn to things that, that feel really personal in that way um mm-hmm. which i think is is why i'm often drawn to like the the aaron's and flaherty thing of like stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path that feels really personal to me but i always have this question of like is this gonna like feel personal and grab someone in the same way that it it, it grabs me and part of yeah. part of the like passion and the joy of writing something is figuring out how to channel this this passion I feel for this story in a really personal way, personal way, and let yeah. someone else be able to feel it in that way. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I think that that's something that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm really invested in as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, a lot of my, a lot of my shows tend to be on the more like intimate scale because of that. And I'm always super curious to figure out like how 
that really intimate connection you feel with a piece could scale up how you how you manage to forge those connections with 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 people um, uh, on a bigger scale as well. But the the thing that makes me the most satisfied as a, as a human as a and as an artist is feeling like I've forged this really intimate connection with someone through something that I've that I've written. Yeah. So I try to I, I feel like that's sort of like a, a a guiding a guiding principle is the wrong word, but something something that fuels me as an artist and, and when I'm looking at at pro- the projects that sort of light my fire are all I think tend to have something along those lines about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a is there a specific format or a strategy you use when a new idea comes to you? Does it all come out so quickly? Do you have to do it in small bits? How what's your writing process? When I first kind of stumble on an idea that I feel like could be a musical. The thing that always makes me confident that it can sing and can live on stage is if I sort of instinctually know the ending or the climax. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like, okay. and it's how I write songs too. Like, I feel like I write mm-hmm. songs backwards. Like I know where I want a song to end and then I have to figure out how to get there. And the same, I think, is true with show ideas. And I think it's, I think it's a thing that, like, it helps me understand how a show sings because I think there's something a little bit different between the way that, that like, a movie reaches its climax versus a musical. Like, a musical has to has to reach this kind of like internal emotional climax for the characters. Whereas I feel like movies can be really successful reaching like a plot kind of climax. Mm. Um, and sometimes, yeah. I, just me personally, I find it difficult to, to figure out how to translate like a cool plot climax in like a book or a movie into an interesting like internal character emotional climax in a musical. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if I understand what that big emotional moment you're ultimately shooting for is then it gives me sort of the confidence to say okay well you'll figure out you'll figure out how to get there mm-hmm. uh so i think that's sort of, it's almost like working backwards in a way um, which like i said yeah. is how i think about songs as well i think about songs backwards most of the time wow that is really <laughs> cool that is really cool i can't even like I don't know, walk backwards and you're sitting here making full storylines. So that I don't is, know if I can walk so backwards awesome. either, but <laughs> <laughs> that is really amazing. I love that process for you. So, okay, so out of all of the projects you've written and all of the awards you've received for these projects, which one is your favorite? Which one's your favorite little project baby? Oh my I feel like goodness. that's like asking a. I feel like it's like asking a parent which child is their favorite. But you know, there's it always is. a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, my diplomatic answer would be it's, okay. which has some truth to it. Is is whatever one I'm working on at the moment. Like, and okay. I feel like that is sort of the nature of the beast. Like, you have to. Musicals take so long and so much work to, to make happen. I feel like you do have to feel really passionate about each project you're working on. And so 
And so whichever one I'm, I'm working on at the moment tends to be the one that I'm like fired up about in the moment. Yes. But I will say like the, I, my favorite, my, my favorite career moments, the, the, the thing that has yes. like, ha, has just been like, I can't believe this thing happened. Um, okay. Was seeing Audrey McDonald sing a song of mine at Carnegie Hall. Um, especially because of what I was talking about, about how her album was like one of the, the big things that made me, mm-hmm. that lit the spark of, mm-hmm. of musical theater writing. Um, and so, and she sang a song from uh, Ordinary Days uh, called Out wow. of Here. Um, uh, and I saw, I saw her do it for the first time, like from a box at Carnegie Hall. And she like, she sang the song and then afterwards was like, the composer's here and like pointed up to the box. And I had this kind of like Evita moment where I stood up <laughs> and was like waving to the people below at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So that's probably- As you should. <laughs> um, so that's like, so if I had to like pick a favorite thing, it mm. might be that, which is connected to- ordinary days so yeah that was yeah that was a pretty cool moment wow if i was you i'd have been crying in that in that booth okay they would everybody would have seen me ugly crying y'all i got audra to sing it at carnegie the weird thing was i was so i really felt like i was in shock like the whole time Mm -hmm. she was singing it my like inner monologue was like Pay attention. Stop. What are you doing? Focus. She's saying, Audrey McDonald's singing your song. What are you, your mind is wandering. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Like, I was just sort of mm-hmm. in, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That is a lot of energy coming at you. Okay. That would definitely be a memorable moment for me, too. And, you know, in those moments, it is hard to stay in the moment because you're just so excited about so many factors you're at carnegie hall it's yours it's it's audra it's she's acknowledging you now everyone's looking at you you know that is such a special (laughs) moment that is wow that's such an awesome story so now after carnegie hall after all your awards after hanging out with audra (laughs) you're coming to 54 below you haven't been here in a minute so what what kind of really motivated you to come on back and show us some more you know, 54 Below has always been this hub in my mind for new musical theaters, particularly, I think, like, of my generation. Like, we mm-hmm. all we all sort of came of age in the concert cabaret scene, and 54 Below showed up on the scene as kind of like the, the pinnacle place. With, again, without sort of foregoing that sense of community, like, it always felt like a place where all of us writers could could come and feel like we were a part of the the community. Um, so yeah. it it for that for that reason it has a very soft spot in my in my heart. And and all of the shows that I've done at Fifty Four have just been such memorable, wonderful experiences. Uh, so when when Jen Tepper reached out and said, "Hey, we're reopening the summer. Do you want to be part of it?" It was like instantaneous i didn't have to think twice i was like this is the this feels like the perfect thing to get back to it and to commemorate that it's the community coming back that's what it feels like to me um Mm -hmm. and that really was my goal in putting the show together like i just i just reached out to these singers that i love and that i missed 
being in a room with and making things with and, and sort of built a show around being in a room with these people I love. So, yeah. Wow. So for the people at home who haven't heard, somehow haven't heard an Adam Guan song, <laughs> tell them what kind of vibe at the show they would be able to hear, what kind of sounds and what kind of genre, what, what do you plan on sharing with us? Yeah. Without well, we're telling too much. That keep some uh, keep a little mystery for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, we are like I said, we're going for sort of uh, like an intimate, stripped down, unplugged yes. kind of vibe, which just felt it's it's like the place I'm in. Like I want to, mm-hmm. and 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 honestly, feels like a place that a lot of artists, it, in, the singers that are part of the concert uh, on Saturday included, acknowledging that it's okay to ease back into things because it's been mm. a really difficult time in so many ways um to say and the least. so yes <laughs> um, so <laughs> just creating this like really warm really like i said stripped down intimate kind of thing so we're there's just two musicians it's myself on the piano um and this fantastic guitar player andy zinsmeister who has uh, written all these brand new arrangements for songs. So even if you there are songs that you uh, might be familiar with, uh, you might hear them in a new way, which is exciting. Ooh, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's just the two of us um, and then these fantastic singers um, doing a collection of songs from various different projects, some brand new, uh, some sort of old favorites, I guess you could you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like I said, I really I, I feel like I really built the set list around this particular group of singers. So there's something really wonderful about about watching these people inhabit these songs, which I think they they inhabit. So yeah. That is exciting. <laughs> wow, Adam. I am so inspired just sitting here listening to you talk. I'm so excited for your <laughs> show. For my last question, I just want to say you are probably such an inspiration to young writers out there. And I feel like there is an intimidation that comes with writing because it is such a powerful art form. And it could probably intimidate people from even writing down an idea they have. What would you what kind of advice would you have for those people who are scared to start writing? Mm. I would jump into the deep end and and know that the re I think the reason why writing is so scary and is for me too like this is something that I I wrestle with as well is and especially over this past year because I will say that I have I have not written King Lear during my like pandemic moment. <laughs> I have not been one of those people. I'm very happy for the people who wrote King Lear, um, but. Um, but I was I I was trying to I was like trying to reflect on why um, it was h- really hard for me to to write a lot during this past year and a half, and I and I think it was because the thing that makes writing really scary and the thing that will make your writing so great is letting yourself be vulnerable when you're writing. I really feel like that stuff that you feel when you are writing something finds its way into the DNA of whatever you're writing. Um, and, and certainly like with my own stuff, I can, I can feel the difference in stuff that I write that like when I was writing it, I really feel like I poured myself and my emotions into it um, versus sort of staying on the surface or staying a little more, more distant. Um, and I think that's why it's been so challenging for me to 
right during this past year and a half because it's been there's been so much going on in the world stress wise that like letting yourself be vulnerable and vulnerable enough for that to like spill out onto the page has been really hard and in fact i think your body kind of resists it in a way like your body's like nope too much going on you're not going to be vulnerable right now (laughs) um uh so for so for for people who are are starting out and writing i think sort of like acknowledging that scariness of it and that mm. in fact letting yourself lean into that scariness is what's going to make your writing really special um and and i think that's the thing that people are going to receive and feel from your from your work um yeah yeah you're saying take that emotion and put it into the art. Take that fear and put it into the art. People are going to feel that. They're going to receive that in a positive way. Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. Adam Guan, this was amazing. Thank you for taking the time out to chat oh, with thank us you. today. You've been listening to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.